Welcome to Live Long and Dead. I'm your host, Cosmo. So, we can't catch a break. The top story for today is circumcision drama. So, with James, he was he had heart surgery at six days old, so his NICU stay was longer. He was discharged at six weeks old. Cade was discharged at 30 days old, one month. And when James was discharged, the NICU handled the booking for the circumcision. Easy peasy. And so as Cade was being discharged from the NICU, the nurses told us, well, you know, with COVID-19, we don't really know how they're doing things. So somebody will contact you, and if you don't hear from them, give them a call. Okay. And we did some research, and Cade was too little for a circumcision at that time. He was five pounds, two ounces or something, and he needed to be at least like 5.7 ounces or pounds, um, according to the World Health Organization. And usually it's 37 weeks gestational age minimum to get a circumcision. And Cade was 35 weeks. So we waited. Never heard from Kaiser. So this week, Cade turned 37 weeks last Thursday. So this Monday, we give Kaiser a call. And we get a call back today from the OB department. And they say, oh, yeah, we can't do it. He's over 30 days old. And we're like, what do you mean? He was in the NICU for the first 30 days of his life and he was too little. And the lady just didn't want to hear anything we had to say. Familiar story coming from Kaiser recently. And we're like, do you mean 30 days since he got discharged? Because that's not right. He was discharged uh, April 19th. So what's the deal? She's like, no, we can't do it. Contact your pediatrician. Great, because we don't have other things to be doing. So we, I call and file a grievance with Kaiser because that seems to get some results. The guy I talked to at Kaiser gets on the line with, he tries to call the OB department, but then he just gets me with a scheduling person. And she again says, oh, you got to talk to a doctor. Got to talk to a doctor. Fine. And our pediatrician isn't available until Friday. And Heidi has read that if you get past his due date, which is May 21st, then it's maybe too late for a circum- easy circumcision, and he might have to be put under anesthesia, which we would like to avoid. So we're like, oh, we don't want to wait. We want to get this crap done. And so they schedule a phone interview with uh, just any pediatrician, first available. And the lady that calls us, uh, again, not a good listener. And she's like, she doesn't have a definitive answer. We're like, he just now is heavy enough and old enough to have one. So book us a gosh darn circumcision. And she's like, well, okay. Either the OB department will contact you. Or if they say no, then I will contact you and we'll figure this out. So we got nowhere. And it's just so weird that it was so easy with James. And this has been so difficult and why the communication stinks so much. Uh, He was in the NICU for a month. We couldn't have him circumcised because he was too tiny. And I'm getting really tired of Kaiser. Uh, The the benefits of Kaiser is that they have these campuses. So 
if you get referred to somewhere else, some other kind of doctor, chances are they're on the same campus. That's nice. When I was a Blue Shield member, I had to go find my in-network providers. So if I, I had to go find my own podiatrist and go to a different location for a podiatrist from my primary care physician. And then for a dermatologist, same thing. I had to look through the catalog of Blue Shield providers and choose one and then, you know, worry about the location. So there's good and bad. Um, Kaiser's definitely a factory where it's very impersonal. So uh, hopefully we get this done before he turns uh, gestationally or his due date and uh, get his wiener taken care of. Um, next story is another rough night. We Their feeding schedules are a little wonky now that we've tried to push them to three and a half to four hours. So it's no longer two, five, eight, eleven. So last night there was a feeding at uh, 1.30, I think, a.m. And Heidi, it was like 11.30, 11.45. She's like, I'm going to go lie down for a little bit with Cece. And uh, she left me and Kate out in the living room. Kate was in a rocker. Uh, one of our friends gave us a really nice uh, hand-me-down $160 rocker that Cade, thank goodness, likes. And it's automated and uh, that's been very freeing for me I don't feel as trapped like the only way to have him be cool is if he's on me so Kate and I were in the living room we fell asleep and 1.40 I wake up because he's waking up I'm like okay feeding time so I take two bottles back to the bedroom we both feed each kid and Cece sort of goes back to sleep afterwards but Cade is wide awake he's not having any of it and I'm in a terrible mood now because I've been out in the living room in the lazy boy four or five nights now spending the majority of the night out there and because in the bedroom we have our big bed and then we have Heidi's glider rocker which definitely doesn't hold me and that's it for furniture so it it's hard for me to get comfy with a baby in the bed. Um, I can sort of lie on my side and have them sort of in the crook of my elbow. Um, but because of this thick mattress topper we got, I kind of sink down extra and then they kind of roll into me. So it's not ideal. So I feel kind of trapped and if I'm going to sue the baby in the middle of the night, my only option is lazy boy out in the living room. And it's not that bad, but it's not that comfortable either. My upper quads start to get, after spending hours in there, start to get a little tired. I want to stretch out. And so when he's not settling down, I'm pretty bummed and short-tempered and I don't want to spend another night come on man why won't you go to bed and Cece had given us trouble prior to that she was awake from like 8 till 11 when we gave her like one ounce and that knocked her out so it had been a long night of fussy babies and I take Kate out there and you know we just fed them so we've got hours until the next feeding and I 
try and soothe him. I try all the stuff. And he's just, he's not screaming, but he's uh, grunting and whining and moving around. And so neither of us get any sleep. Finally, at 4.30, two hours later, um, that's not, yeah, because it was close to 2 by the time I gave up in the bedroom. So I went out and lived because we fed him at 1.30. 40, or that's when I woke up. 1.40, I woke up in the living room. Fed him close to 2. 2.30 was when I gave up in the bedroom trying to calm him down. So 4.30, I threw in the towel. It was too early, but I'm like, screw it. Let's get him food. And that did the trick. It took a while still, but around 5 or 5.30, he fell asleep, and then I fell asleep. And um, then... There was the morning feeding. So I get two bottles again, bring them into the bedroom. And uh, this time, Cade... Yeah, so I, I fed... Sorry, it's all a blur. I fed Cade in the bedroom and uh, I swaddled him, which I suck at, but I did a good enough job and I put him in the crib and he went down and he stayed down so I got to be in the bed for a half hour because then James woke up and Cece woke up and so Heidi took Cece out of the living room and fed her and they roll up so I'm on about two hours of sleep I think I drifted off a little bit during the morning uh, at some point but a lot of rough nights this week and uh, dreading tonight again, Cade, again, because he had a rough night, slept pretty much the entire day, wake up for a bottle and then go to sleep after that. So that makes me think, okay, is he going to be up all night again? Went on a walk. We've gone on a walk with the twins three days in a row. That's nice to get fresh air and it's important variety to build up that stamina after all that bed rest. They say it'll take double, whatever her bed rest time was, it'll take twice as long to get the stamina back. And so we're just going on around the block and the twins handle it well. They uh, just sit there, make little grunting noises because they're preemie infants. <sighs> LA County announced today that the coronavirus lockdown will most likely go another three months. And that is mind-boggling. I have mixed feelings because I don't want to be like these dumbass states that are rushing out of it. And it were, come fall, it's going to be horrible again. But I don't want to be stuck here for another three months. I want to be able to go do things. But then again, okay, let's say the zoo opens up and they allow 25 or 30% capacity, it's going to be hard to get in there. And so when these things open up, uh, it's going to be like, sorry, we're full. So I just don't know what to expect. Nobody does. And we're going to have all these protesters that are going to raise hell about their freedoms and stuff. And like I said, I have mixed feelings. How are you guys feeling about it? And, I mean, it makes sense to me that the rural counties are opening up quicker than the urban ones. And 
we we need more stimulus, that's for sure, because that one check from April ain't going to cut it. And Heidi's disability is done, and her next paycheck for being a teacher will be September 15th. And that'll be light because they're going to take out all of the dental insurance money that she hasn't been paying into because uh, she's been on disability since October. So that's oof, almost a year's worth. Uh, that's 11 months worth of paychecks that haven't been having the dental plan taken out. So uh, really, October 1st will be the first real paycheck, which is pretty scary. Um because right now I'm on paternity leave. So that means, I mean, best case scenario, I'm pulling in $1,000 from east side a month. So that, that's a little anxiety provoking. Um, we have a Chevy Traverse leased, and that's up in August. So need to figure out some kind of minivan situation used. And, uh, something that we can all fit in that my six foot nine butt can fit in so any any suggestions on a, a minivan that has captain's chairs at the middle row and then plenty of leg room for me uh send my way at at starfleet panels on twitter at cosmo underscore more m-o-o-r-e on instagram so that is the latest. I'm in the bedroom right now giving the cat some loving because, like we talked about, she's a little traumatized having these babies. She's not running away from them as much now. I've changed Cade's diaper earlier today, and she was the cat was on the bed, so I plopped him down next to her, and, and she just looked at him. She didn't run away until he eventually started screaming, then she bounced. Um... But important to give the little furry one some love and let her know that we still love her too. And uh, who was it? Dr. Fauci, Fucci, uh, whatever his name is, he said he can't imagine how schools can safely reopen in the fall. So that's scary. Like... Poor little James is about to go into kindergarten. That stuff's important, and he's going to miss out on it, uh, along with everybody. But uh, and he's going to be home, so that's going to impact me working from home and taking care of twins. And Heidi's going to have to maybe still do or this Zoom teaching stuff, which she was telling me her colleagues have been putting in twelve-hour days with this virtual schooling. So I, some uh, people the other day, I heard them poo-pooing the teachers. And they're, they're just facilitators. And bullcrap. This hit teachers like a ton of bricks. There was no training for this. Uh, <laughs> whoop de doo Like three days of training for my friends over at uh, the, my high school I used to coach football at. And they had three days of training, and now, okay, go finish your semester. Go do all of March, April, May, and part of June. And uh, scrap all your plans and uh, change them to virtual. Um, and they're more than facilitators, and they're doing this while working from home 
and dealing with their kids too. So uh, teachers are heroes and they do not get the freaking respect and love that they deserve. And are there lame teachers? Certainly. Um, <laughs> there was a really crappy teacher at a school I worked at once who would just give his students Coca-Cola and chips and crap and let him roam the hallways. He was awful, and I celebrated when he got fired. Uh, but there are plenty. Nobody goes into teaching because uh, it's easy or because of pay. <sighs> okay, rant over. Um, I better get out there and see how things are going and get ready to relieve Heidi. But circumcision... Uh, let's hope we can get that settled soon, and hopefully tonight is a restful night, and I can get four or five, dare I dream, five hours of sleep, that would be awesome. So, until then, uh, oh, I saw an interesting Twitter, uh, post, uh, did you feel shortchanged by the ending of Star Trek Voyager? Interesting. I found it satisfying. I liked it. It did feel a little rushed at the end. Like, all right, they're going through the subspace corridor, and boom, they're back at Earth. Oh, and then they get escorted by the fleet back to Earth, and they're there, and that's it. And so the Twitter poster said, you know, wouldn't you have liked several episodes showing the aftermath of them getting back to Earth? And yeah, definitely I would have. And... I understand why they would want to end the series on them returning to Earth. Uh, but that would have been cool. And, you know, if we were in modern day television or if it was a Netflix show, we probably could have gotten something like that. Uh, uh, a couple of post-series episodes. Um, I tried reading the books. There's two books. And it just didn't really connect to it um but yeah i would have loved to see the emh integrating back home and showing him what he has become and uh but i i definitely enjoyed the admiral future janeway stuff and destroying the borg and it could have definitely been stretched out by over a couple of episodes though because it, it, everything felt rushed and it felt like some people didn't get their uh, their due. And, uh, like, Bolana should have had the baby a couple episodes early. Like, the fact that Tom... Uh, or, no, that's right. Tom was on the bridge. And then he left to go uh, see the baby. And Chakotay piloted them to Earth. Um, but, yeah, the fact that she was just off giving birth when the finale's happening, that was... Why not do that like episode 20 or something? Um, so, what do you guys think? Were you uh, left a little wanting with the Voyager finale? Uh, it definitely pales in comparison to All Good Things, which I think was pretty dang perfect. And I found uh, the finale of Deep Space Nine very fulfilling also. Um, the, the ending of the Dominion War part was a little anticlimactic, uh, albeit Trek. I mean, I'm, I'm glad it didn't come out down to just war ending it and that it was Kira and Odo and uh, Odo uh, joining with 
the founder curing her and then she could read that the humans really weren't going to end them. Uh, That was very Trek and that was cool. Uh, But the 12 year old in me was like, yeah, I want more battle. I want to see. And, uh, but the, the emotional moments of everybody packing up and Julian and, O'Brien and Worf looking back fondly on getting put through a plate glass window. That all hit me in a very emotional ending. And uh, so those two were just A+. And then let's not even talk about Enterprise. All right, that's enough for me. I will talk to you guys soon. Thanks for joining.